Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome. Glad you are here today. Uh, it's good to be here with you and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ together as we join together as a family of God. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would uh, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And uh, if you'd like to receive our email newsletter especially, please uh, put your email address on there. It's a good way to keep up with the events that are happening here at Community Baptist Church. And there are a number of events that are happening and that have been happening. And I understand we have a video from our youth trip. So you guys want to hit that video back there? We got it queued up.
Doesn't that just make you sad? I'm sorry y'all had such a miserable time on that trip. <laughs> Glad y'all had a great time. It was a wonderful time. So I'm proud of our youth group and, uh, and so grateful that you're able to do that. A few things that we have coming up that I'd like to remind you of. Speaking of our youth and our children, they will be uh, uh, having a swimming party right after the... No? Canceled before, because of weather. Okay. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, <clears throat> a couple other things that are coming up. Uh, there will be a Habitat House dedication on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. And some of you may not know that uh, Brittany Smith is now the uh, executive director of, of Habitat. She's the new executive director, one of our own. And uh, so we need to support Brittany with that. Yep, Rob, Brittany, way to go. And uh, they will be dedicating a house on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. And if you can attend, uh, the address is there in the worship folder there. We'll be having a potluck uh, lunch on Sunday and an upward volunteer breakfast, uh, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday on August the 10th. And there will be no church council today. Uh, a lot of people are out of town, and there are other things that are going on today. Uh, so no church council today. We'll be meeting real soon, I promise you. So let's stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. Shall 
church, we ask that you join us for an anniversary dinner for the Hobbs family um, for their 10th anniversary. So should be great. Come and help us celebrate with them. Will you join me for our responsive reading? God, it feels rude to break the silence short as it, it, as it was. We had hardly begun to be quiet, and now we are back into words. In our search for you, we confess that we reflect too much, analyze too much, talk too much, figuring out, thinking aloud. God, give us more silent space so we can discover the world beyond our making. Be the the word that comes to dwell in the silence, authoring sentences of plan, paragraphs of comfort. And help us always to remember that in silence we can know indeed that you are God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Well, let's all stand and uh, sing what a friend we have in Jesus.
Come on, children. Okay, is that better? You have a tattoo? Oh, my goodness. All right, let's get started here. You wiped yours off? That's good. Before we go in the back, we have, where's Zoe? She's, okay, Zoe, we'll get you later. We have some special guests today, girls. This is Georgia and Neva and Sarah. They'll be joining us in Children's Church. This is Max, and this is Henry. And their uh, Grammy and Paul Paul are in our congregation, in our church family. Their Grammy is Miss Jika back here. And their uh, Paul Paul is back there, Mr. Bob. And they're going to be joining us this week. We're so glad you're here. What are we talking about today? You guys remember? You came to um, Sunday school. Do you remember what Dr. Tim's talking about today? You don't? Oh, I did good back there, didn't I? We're talking about prayer. Remember that Theo we watched, prayer? And Dr. Tim's going to talk about, you guys ready to listen? When we don't know what to pray. But you know what? Come on, Zoe, I need you up here, girl. Come on. Thank you. Do you know what? I'm going to read one verse from uh, the book of Luke. And look at this picture. Who's a good reader? Max, I bet you're a good reader, aren't you? Are you a good reader? You're not? All right, Sarah, how about, Georgia, are you a good reader? You don't want to, Sarah, will you? She reads chapter books? Yeah, I know. You know who said that? The disciples, the 12 disciples. You think sometimes we don't know how to pray. Our disciples didn't even know how to pray. Let me read this chapter or this verse for you. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, and they're talking about Jesus, Jesus was praying. When he ceased, that means when he got finished praying, one of his disciples said unto them, Lord, teach us to pray, as, as John also taught his disciples. So sometimes people don't, we don't know how to pray. Um, let's think about that. What is praying? Anybody want to help me? What's praying? This is very easy to remember. It says praying is simply talking and listening to God. But that's hard for us sometimes because we don't be quiet enough to listen to God, right? But it's very simple. How do I pray? Hmm, how do you pray? This says you pray from your heart, not for show. So when you pray, do you brag about it? I'm the best prayer. Or I'm praying out loud so everybody can hear me. Is that the way we pray? We need to find a quiet place to pray, and we need to just really talk to God. And do we pray for candy? Sometimes we wish for chocolate, but we don't pray for chocolate. Do we pray for a new car? Eh, sometimes we wish for that, but we should never pray for that. We want to pray for what God wants us to do, how God wants us to be Christ-like. And we're going to learn more about this back with Theo today. We pray to praise God, but we can also pray for our daily needs. That means our food and the house we live in. We can pray that for other people too. And it says we must pray to resist temptation. Are you tempted to sometimes to be mean to other people? Uh, that's good. I'm glad, Henry. We've got to resist those temptations. And there's one prayer that we particularly need to pay attention to and that's the Lord's Prayer and I think Kelsey's going to pray that for you Real, I mean I'm, she's going to show you that in a video real quick here I'm going to put our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Will be done on earth as it is in 
it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Go back to Children's Church. Page 
Would you share with me in the Lord's Prayer this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, we live in a strange world, don't we? Just a few years ago, there was a report out of the Philippines about uh, police trying to capture a gang who specialized in stealing kneecaps out of graves. That's right, I said kneecaps. Uh, you see, the thieves were members of a, of a sect who believed that spiritual ener- energy could be gained from grinding up kneecaps and scattering them around the house. Now, you may be wondering, why kneecaps? Well, according to the report, the spiritual power of the dead was believed to be concentrated in the knees because people kneel to pray. Pretty interesting, huh? It just makes me wonder, though, how much those thieves would value my kneecaps. Or yours. Which raises the question, how vital is your prayer life? Sir George Smith and his guide were climbing a 14,783-foot mountain in the Swiss Alps. And it was stormy as they made their way up on the the sheltered side of the the mountain. But when they reached the top, they, they were so excited that Sir George forgot about the fierce winds coming from the other direction... And he was nearly blown over the edge. So the guide grabbed him and pulled him down and exclaimed, On your knees, sir. You are safe here only on your knees. I guess all of life is more secure if we spend more time on our knees. So, do you spend enough time in prayer? Are there people for whom you pray every day? It does make a difference, you know. It really does. It really makes a difference. About, about once a month or so, I will get a little handwritten note from someone in my home church telling me that they are remembering me in prayer. 
And others, some of you, in fact, have told me that you pray for me every day. And folks, I can't tell you how much that means to me. When, that, when I get that little note from someone in Griffin, Georgia, or when somebody tells me, I pray for you every day, that lifts me up more than I can tell you. It gives me encouragement and, and joy and a sense of community, just knowing that I'm not in this alone. I have the support of those who love me, and most importantly, I have the backing of God. And that's what prayer does for us. Now, Paul realized that prayer is not an easy subject to deal with. He writes in our lesson for today, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Those are some interesting words. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. Have you ever experienced something like that? You know, something pressing comes along and you know that, that there's an urgent need to lift that matter up to the Lord in prayer. But lo and behold, you just don't know exactly what to pray. You ever faced an experience like that? Well, let me ask you something. Would you say that your prayer life is fulfilling? Paul Miller, who conducts seminars on prayer, estimates from surveys that he has done that about 90% of Christians do not have a meaningful prayer life. 90%. So if you don't feel like your prayer life is up to snuff, you're in some pretty good company. And In fact, some of the best people in the world <clears throat> pray for years about something and the answers just seem to evade them. This was Mother Teresa's main complaint. She sought with all of her heart to serve God, and yet in her devotional life, God seemed so far away. And folks, if that could happen to Mother Teresa, how much more could it happen to you and me? And it does. But the Lord gives us this word of encouragement. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. My friends, this is a message for the mature Christian, for the mature believer. And here's why I say that. You see, for the immature believer, for an immature believer, an immature believer never struggles with prayer. The immature believer says, is there something that I need or I want? Then I'll pray for it. If I want it to be sunny so I can play golf tomorrow, I'll pray for it. If I want a, a bigger income so I can keep up with the neighbors, I pray for it. If I need a new car, I pray for it. Surely God wants me to have all the nice things and, and to achieve all of my dreams. Well, of course. In Alexander Solzhenitsyn's novel, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, Ivan endures all of the horrors of the, a, a Soviet prison camp. And, and one day he's praying with his eyes closed, and a fellow prisoner sees him and says, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. And Ivan says, I do not pray to get out of prison, but to do the will of God. That, my friends, is the prayer of a mature believer. But contrast that, that attitude with the attitude of a young couple that Father John Morris tells about in his book called The Promise. It seems that, that Mary and Mark had been married about eight years, and for three of those years they've been trying to have a baby. Mary is weighed down with guilt, and, and Mark is tired of all the dehumanizing therapies and treatments. And so when Father Morris visited them, they were thrilled to have a priest visit in their home. And they lapped up every word about God and, and God's miracles. And, and when they asked for prayer, Father Morris suggested that they pray for God's will to be done in their lives. And Father Morris says, I didn't realize how strange my words would sound to them. Pray that God's will be done? What? We just want to have a baby. They wanted so desperately for me to help them achieve their objective, he says. But for my part, I couldn't promise anything. 
God is not a vending machine. And that's a concept that is lost on a lot of people with immature faith. God is not a vending machine, even though that's how a lot of people try to to use God and to treat God. Put the prayer in, get the blessing out. John Torres tells the story about the the star first baseman from the old Brooklyn Dodgers, Gil Hodges. Hodges suffered a terrible batting slump in the 1952 World Series. He got no hits at all in all 21 at-bats. His slump continued on through uh, the first part of 1953, and there was a priest there who was also a Dodgers fan, and this priest urged his congregation to do two things, keep God's commandments and pray for Gil Hodges. In the minds of some people, the prayers worked because Hodges started hitting again. He, was, he, he had a very good season in 1953 and, and a very good World Series that year, even though they lost. He helped the Dodgers win the World Series in 1955. And so, was that an answer to prayer? Well, I believe a better answer to prayer might have been if the priest congregation actually started keeping the commandments. See, God's not a vending machine. And honestly, God probably doesn't care about your favorite player's batting average. And neither is God a Santa Claus who honors prayer on the basis of who's naughty and nice. If he did that, then, sorry folks, most of us would be out of the picture. And I know that some of you will probably quote the verse from James that says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And I believe that. But that doesn't mean that God honors the prayers of the righteous and not the unrighteous. It just means that the righteous person knows what to pray for. And what are those things that we ought to pray for? Sometimes we don't know. But let me give you three prayers today that I believe are always proper to pray for. First of all, pray that God's will will be done. Pray that God's will will be done. Jesus said it like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And folks, I think that should be our prayer every day of our lives, that God's will will be done in our lives. The only issue here is how much do you trust God? And if you don't trust God, then what are you doing praying anyway? The first question that you really need to answer is, do you believe that God loves you? And if you do, the second question is, do you trust that whatever God's will is, it's for your best good? Tony Campolo spells out in a beautiful way why we should trust God and pray for God's will to be done. He says that when he was a little boy, he told everyone that he was going to grow up and be a cowboy. Now, some of you, some of you folks here probably had the same thing, probably said the same thing. Either you're going to be a cowboy or a fireman or a police officer or, or whatever, you know. We, we, we had those dreams as, as, as boys growing up. He says, I, I was going to spend my days on a horse and rounding up cattle, and, and, and that's fine. Lots of little boys want to be cowboys when they grow up. But think about this. Suppose his father had given him exactly what he wanted when he was a little boy. Years later, when an, an older, wiser Tony decided he wanted to go to college and study sociology, his father would say to him, Sorry, Tony. Sorry, son. There's no money for college. I spent it all on a ranch for you in Montana. You see, the adult Tony had no interest in becoming a cowboy. He did when he was a child. And the point is that when we go to God to make a request, we always do so from a limited perspective. We're like that little kid wanting to be a cowboy, but when we grow up, we discover that that's not, what, that's not what's best for us after all. You see, we don't know what all the possible consequences involved in prayer can be. And so a wise person will pray believing that God knows what's best. 
And if God's will is done, then somehow in the long run, it'll turn out for our best good. So you see, it's always right to pray, your will be done. Secondly, it's always right, I believe, to pray for someone else in need. God understands when we make requests for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing's more human than that. But do you really expect him to take note of every little petition that we make? I ran across something interesting uh, just recently, just a few days ago. I didn't know this. This was news to me. Did you know that in the, in the Jewish faith, it is considered unrighteous to pray for things for ourselves on the Sabbath? Yeah. You see, the Sabbath is a day of rest. And they believe that even God should be allowed to rest from providing for us for a day. And so on the Sabbath, Jewish prayers focus mostly on praise and, and thanksgiving. And don't misunderstand me here. It's all right to ask God to to meet our needs, and God already knows what your needs are. But how much more pleasing is it to God when we pray on behalf of someone else? You may have heard uh, about a ship that was wrecked at sea. Only two men survived. They swam to a small desert island, and they decided to pray. And the two men were pretty competitive. They'd been competitive all of their lives, and they decided to be competitive even in this situation. And they wanted to know whose prayer would be more powerful than the other. And so they divided the island in half, and one stayed on one side, and the other stayed on the other side of the island. And the first thing they prayed for was for food. And the next morning, the first man saw a fruit-bearing tree on his side of the island. He was able to, to eat from the tree. Other man's parcel remained barren. After about a week, the first man was lonely and he prayed for a wife. And the next day, another ship wrecked and the only survivor was a woman. And she swam up to his side of the island. Other side of the island, there was nothing. Soon the first man prayed for a house and clothes and more food. And the next day, like magic, all of those things were given to him. But the second man still had nothing. And then finally, the first man prayed for a ship so that he and his wife could leave the island. And in the morning, he found a ship docked on his side of the island. And so that first man boarded the ship with his wife and decided to leave the second man behind. You see, he considered the other man unworthy to receive God's blessing since none of his prayers had been answered. But as the ship was about to leave, he heard a voice booming from heaven saying, Why are you leaving your companion behind? And the man said, My blessings are mine, since I was the one who prayed for them. His prayers were all unanswered, so he doesn't deserve anything. And then the voice said, You are mistaken. He had only one prayer, which I answered. If not for that, you would not have received any of my blessings. And the man said, Tell me. What did he pray for that I should owe him anything? And the voice replied, He prayed that all of your prayers would be answered. I like that little story. It reminds us that the the greatest need that some of us have is to get outside of ourselves and to focus on the needs of others. My friends, if if your focus is all on yourself, then you are in serious spiritual trouble. So who are you praying for? Who's on your prayer list? But there's one other prayer that will always be answered. And that is, use me, O God, to do your work. Fred Dillon was a pastor in Alabama. He was awakened by a call at 3 o'clock in the morning one night, and the voice on the other end of the line said, Come pray for my buddy. And Fred asked, Who's your buddy? And the caller said, Doesn't matter. He needs a prayer. He said, There's been a Baptist preacher here and a holiness preacher already, but their prayers didn't reach the ceiling. 
phone call was from a bootlegger. The person in question was also a bootlegger who had been shot several times, lost a lot of blood. And so Dylan responded to that call, and he, he prayed with the man, and the man recovered. Within six weeks, Dylan began a series of Bible studies with the man and his family. And as the studies continued and his health improved, this man, his wife, his sister-in-law, his son, and his daughter, and several years later, all three of his grandsons were baptized. Within seven years, this former bootlegger was appointed an elder in his church. He and his wife both taught Bible study classes. His son is now a pastor, and his daughter married a a music minister. He quit the moonshine business and, and is now a successful businessman, employing several people in the community in a construction business. And Fred says, he is now my brother, and I love him and his family. Thank God for that early morning call from the hospital. Thank thank God for that phone call indeed. But you know what? Thank God for Fred Dillon. You see, Fred wanted to be used by God. And so when when that call came in for for the minister to come to this wounded bootlegger, he saw that as an opportunity and as an answer to prayer. And my friends... That's the kind of prayer that will always be answered. Pray for God's will to be done. Pray for somebody else. And finally, let your prayer always be, Lord, use me to do your work. Pray for these three things. Pray these three prayers. And I guarantee you, you'll always be praying for the right things. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn number 387, Blessed Be the Tie. And this is a wonderful hymn. We'll sing all four verses of this. It's a hymn that talks about us supporting one another uh, both individually and in our prayers, lifting each other up in our prayers. These are things that tie us together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. And folks, I want to tell you something. This is a church that does that. And I am so proud of you that you do exactly that. And I'm so grateful for you that you do that. But we're going to sing this hymn. And there may be some today who would like to come and make a commitment to Christ. We invite you to do that. There may be some today who want to come and unite with our church. We invite you to do that. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to pray with us. Would you come as we sing together? Blessed be the time. Blessed be the time that binds our hearts in
Please be seated for just a moment um, as I present two folks to you who have come to unite with our church. Uh, Sue Berry is here to uh, unite with our church and transferring her membership from a sister congregation. And, and Allie said, you know, I, I, you know I, I didn't think that she hadn't done this, but she hadn't. Uh, she thought, I, I guess I ought to do this. And so uh, as our youth minister, yeah, you, you should. So... <laughs> So she's coming to unite with our church as well, and we welcome uh, both of you, and we are so grateful for both of you, and welcome you to our congregation. And, and yes, you can say something. You want to say it, in my? Oh, here, here. Am I not loud enough? There you go. <laughs> I just wanted to share, and I told Brother Tim this morning in my Sunday school class. Last Sunday, I wasn't here because I was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was in the eighth largest church. I had gone to a family wedding. Was there for a family wedding. And the bride and groom had both uh, graduated from Oral Roberts, and uh, this is where they had attended church. And uh, it was quite an eye-opener. It was the eighth-largest church in America. But um, the groom, he told me, he says, we've got to get there before the minister starts preaching or we'll be locked out. And I said, what do you mean locked out? He says, they lock the doors. He says, also, the men in the aisles will be carrying guns. And I was like, why? It's a house of worship and he says because the minister has been threatened so the doors are locked and there are men in the church with guns and the one thing that was very eye-opening to me not only because of that but when the service started uh, they had this new program starting because it was such a large church they wanted you to be part of your section so each section had been uh, appointed a leader, and you were to have coffee with them and become a part of the church through that section. It was so large. And I thought, well, God, this seems very, um, I don't know, too large for me. But um, And then when the minister started the service, it was all about how they were growing, and they were going to add on all these services, but never once did I hear, look what God has done for us. And I just wanted to say this because it really opened my eyes. You all are very blessed here because of how you make people feel when they come. I really want to thank Fred and Juanita because they've been an important part of me being here and joining this church. And just, you all are very special. Very, very special. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you are very special as well. And I promise you folks, I'm not packing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and we are so grateful to have you uh, officially as a member of our congregation. And I will tell you, as I tell every member that joins the church, every person here, every member of our church is a minister of God. And so we look forward to the ministry that we have for you, and we look forward to the ministry you have for, for each of us as well. Because, indeed, blessed be that tie that binds. I know you'll want to speak to these two, and I'll ask them to come and join me uh, at the door, and you can shake their hand and welcome them. And uh, let's stand for our benediction. Oh God, we have come to you today from many places, both physically and geographically, as well as spiritually and emotionally. Some have come from joyful places, celebrating the goodness of life and some have come from places of much sadness. Some have come from abundance, and some have come from barely making ends meet. But we have all come, O oh God, seeking you. And we confess that in our seeking, sometimes we simply do not know what to pray. But you have blessed us through your Spirit, which prays for us. And you have blessed us also by teaching us how to pray. May we be faithful in our prayers, as you are always faithful to us. Amen.